Hello, my beautiful, beautiful people. Welcome back. And thank you for making me part of your week. This is season two, episode four of the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. And as always, I'm Hannah, your conflict coach. If you follow my personal or professional accounts on social media, or if you know me in person especially, you know how much I love things like personality tests, communication style quizzes, anything that allows me to learn more about myself, the way I interact, the way I've internalized my experiences in life. I love all those types of things, of course, because personal growth is a passion of mine. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't, but also because the more I learn about myself, the more I'm able to empathize and understand and have compassion for the people I interact with every day. The better you know yourself, the better you'll handle conflict, the healthier your relationships will be, the more you'll be able to trust yourself, regardless of whether or not you're in an emotional state. I love having those differentiators about myself that I can call on when someone does or says something that I wouldn't do that doesn't make sense to me. I can use that to help myself process it, to help myself have empathy and understanding and compassion. So far, we've talked about conflict reduction strategies like managing your expectations and setting healthy boundaries. And those are definitely a crucial two steps to reducing conflict. But honestly, if you're not able to recognize, understand, regulate, and express your emotions productively when they come, there will always be unnecessary conflict in your life. And bonus feature, once you get to a point where you have your emotional regulation under control, you'll be able to recognize when someone else is reacting out of emotion or when they're responding to a potential conflict or a present conflict with a healthy and productive attitude. And then you can more confidently choose whether or not to engage. But before we get there, we do have to be able to manage ourselves. And believe it or not, what it really comes down to is our emotional intelligence. People think emotional intelligence is just the ability to not overreact or just staying calm. But that's only one part. And there are actually four parts of emotional intelligence that are widely recognized in psychology studies. And there's self-awareness, self-regulation, social awareness, and relationship management. Self-awareness has to do with recognizing, naming, understanding your emotion. How aware are you of what's happening inside? Do you recognize the surge of emotion when it arrives? Or can you only recognize it in hindsight. Self-regulation involves how you actively manage your responses in those highly emotional scenarios. So even if you recognize the emotion, do you act on it instead of processing it? Do you try to make them feel the way you feel instead of expressing yourself clearly and calmly? Then in social awareness, that refers to your ability to essentially read the room and adjust your responses to the relationships that are involved. Because all relationships are very unique and very different. We all know that. So you have to be able to recognize, do they have the power to make you feel better or do you have that power in this relationship? And usually it's you. Do you have the type of relationship that can foster collaboration 
or is it necessary to take a different route to resolution? And relationship management is actually how you handle those hard conversations in those relationships. How do you prevent relational damage and mend those damaged bonds if necessary? Have you calmly expressed how you feel and allowed them the chance to understand you? And what about vice versa? But if that all feels like a lot, that's just because emotional intelligence isn't something we learn overnight. It's something that builds over time and it takes both real conflict experiences and self-work through the non-conflict times to establish that well-rounded, emotionally intelligent foundation. Emotion will always come in surges and waves. It's rarely predictable without having knowledge of your inner child, your traumas, your conflict habits, your attachment styles, your communication preferences, your relational tendencies as a whole. And as a reminder, we typically won't know those things about other people either, and they may not even know it about themselves. So that raises the question, what actually happens when we get that surge of emotion? Right? With so many unknowns, our most basic need for predictability is threatened. And what happens is our emotion quite literally hijacks our system. If you remember from season one, I mentioned that your brain physically, chemically, physiologically cannot process logic and emotion simultaneously. It can't process logic and emotion at the same time. They use the same energy and the same pathways for lack of a proper term. So when you're in an emotional state, when you're in a conflict, if you're not able to recognize, one, that you're feeling a surge of emotion, and two, what kind of emotion it is, then you'll always act on that emotion because your logic is hijacked. Stopping the freight train of emotion may seem impossible, but we can train ourselves to do it the same way we might recognize those weird intrusive thoughts and we think, nope, don't like that, pushing that out of my brain. Or we might second guess the way we want to phrase something in the middle of a sentence or a story and so we'll stop for a second to think about how to continue. We can recognize that surge of emotion the same way and consciously, or I like to say manually, try to switch it back to logic. And that's why they say don't make decisions when you're angry or why people say things they regret so regularly in conflict. Their decision-making has been fully hijacked by the surge of emotions that they experienced. And even if the time it takes us to process ends up being a few days at a time, of course that may not be ideal for everyone, but it's still a far better option to take time to process and decide how you really truly think and feel about the situation, then have a mature conversation, then it is to react emotionally, heighten the tension, and try to fix all that damage and the original conflict at a later date anyway because the conflict has been compounded. Like I said, we can get to a point where we can sometimes predict when our emotions will try to take over. But we have to be willing to do a little bit of inner work on our emotional intelligence to get there. 
in almost every single person that exists in the world is lacking in some aspect of emotional intelligence. And like many, many, many other things, it almost solely depends on what you have and haven't had the opportunity to develop yet in life. And yes, I said yet, because don't worry, no self-shaming, no pity parties. Regardless of what stage of life you're in, I promise you, you have time to learn about yourself. And I promise your life will improve if you do. You've got plenty of time and it's time that will be worth it. And we'll call that the conflict coach guarantee. I'll let y'all in on a little secret. The number one thing I do as a conflict coach is help people learn about themselves. And it helps them manage conflict better every single time. We constantly misunderstand or misinterpret our emotions because we just don't fully understand them. Yes, feelings are real and valid and they give us so much information about ourselves and our relationships and they are so worth paying attention to and processing and understanding. But they're also not based in fact. My favorite Brene Brown quote is from an interview where she talks about how resentment isn't actually part of the anger family. When we feel resentment towards someone, we think we're feeling angry, but it's actually part of the envy family. Because resentment actually stems from personal insecurities that we have based on the differences we see in someone else. And it stems from a very inherent form of jealousy, of something so subconscious that our instinct is to avoid the reminder of that insecurity. We reject it. So if you've heard people say, feelings are just that, feelings. I agree that that can be such an invalidating statement because our emotions are big and they're loud and they are important. Please hear me when I say that they're important. But feelings are just feelings is not technically wrong. Our surges of emotion are less like news flashes, breaking news, information. They're more like vague clues to a lost item. The more you know about the item and the person who lost it, the more confident you can be that you're interpreting the clues correctly. So said another way, you can only trust your emotions if you trust yourself to interpret them correctly. And in order to trust ourselves to interpret our emotions correctly, we have to know about us. Our emotions can be our ticket to our best self. We just have to really get to know ourselves where we're at in order to be able to recognize what our emotions are telling us about us. As much as I wish I could, I can't sit here on a podcast and tell you specifically what you need to learn about or do differently or figure out in order to master your emotional intelligence. I wish I could give a one-size-fits-all answer or process to teach everyone everywhere how to level up their emotional intelligence. I can do that specifically for you in a coaching session, and I would love to. But the most effective way to do it on your own is to just dig deeper into what matters to you, 
What do you consider part of your identity? What is your conflict style? What is your communication style? Personality tests are not always right, and they are not something that I would recommend basing all of your decisions or your personality on, but they can be really great tools to learning more about yourself. Whether it's the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, human design, astrology, DISC, no matter what it is, I fully believe that we don't recognize how different and unique and intricate all humans are until we learn how unique and different and intricate we are ourselves. That unlocks so many things in our psyche and so many pieces of our life will start to fall into place when we know more and learn more and seek out more and develop a sort of curiosity about the crazy, inexplainable things that are going on inside of us and learn to kind of explain them a little bit. When we have that full understanding of our own uniqueness, it is a lot easier to handle the fact that people usually aren't going to behave the way we would or the way we expect them to. So I know this was kind of a short one, but at the very least, I hope you feel more confident going into next week's conversation about reacting versus responding. I've gotten so many questions about that, and I'm so excited to talk about it because the concept of the difference between reacting and responding is simple, but in practice, it's so much more complex. And without empathy and understanding and compassion, without the ability to employ those when they're needed, you really won't be able to manage reacting versus responding very well, and that's going to affect and amplify the conflict in your life. So if you feel like there's some sort of gap in your emotional intelligence, if you feel like you need to work on self-awareness or self-regulation or social awareness or relationship management, if you feel like there's one of those pockets that needs some attention in your life, dive into that. There are very accessible and easily consumable resources out there, especially on social media, as long as you're paying attention to who it's coming from. Are they a licensed therapist who's sharing what they know? Or are they a trauma survivor who's just sharing their experience? Both of those can give you a lot of really useful information about the way your brain works and make you feel less alone. And you're bound to find someone who's reacting the way you're reacting, feeling the way you're feeling, having the same struggles that you're having. While we all are very unique, we share a lot of the same struggles. And at the end of the day, I hope that you feel just a little bit more inspired to learn about what's going on inside of you. And if you are leaving this episode just a little bit more intrigued about who you are and what that means, then I feel like I've done my job. But as always, I would love to hear your questions, comments, feedback, all of that. You can find not only my email address, but my booking link for coaching sessions and the link to the podcast on my link tree, which I will make sure is linked in the description. I hope you guys have a beautiful weekend and I'll see you next week.